Welcome to a new episode of the Digital Adoption Show. I'm Gokul Suresh, Head of Growth and Field Marketing at WhatFix and the host for this episode. Our guest for today is David James. You might know him from the Learning and Development Podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts in L&D and HR space. And uh, he has more than 20 years of experience in people development, talks a lot about contemporary L&D practices, um, is a current chief learning strategist at the 360 Learning and loop.co that's loop with three o's right and uh, <laughs> prior to this david had a long stint at the walt disney company where he was a director of talent learning and organizational development handling about 14 different lines of service across emir region right and yeah let, let me take a halt there david welcome to the show thanks coco it's a pleasure thank you yeah so first of all how how does it feel like you know feel like being at the other end of the podcast right the being the one who answers the questions <laughs> There's a lot less pressure on this uh, go call so uh, so I'm looking forward to enjoying this one. Yeah, I mean let's let's just have a fun conversation and awesome awesome. All right, thanks David. So, uh let's get to the real deal. So, background for the audience. We approached David with the intent of learning more about his podcast, right? And then we realized David himself has a lot more to talk about um anything that's there on his podcast and this Yeah, 20 years of experience is a lot, right? And so, few topics we'll touch base today uh, is one how David's experience has been with leading L and D um, at um, uh, the ginormous Walt Disney Company, and his shift from enterprise to solving L and D problems at startups, right? And how he created one of the most popular L and D podcasts. I mean, the Learning and Development Podcast. That's as simple as it is. right and uh, the new strides that's bringing in global lnd leaders uh, in the lnd collective community right how does that sound david too many things that sounds that sounds great yeah let's go for it okay awesome <laughs> all right so first up your lnd and hr journey right so you started off with natwest and then lehman brothers and then along with walt disney so hmm. what were they like i mean all three giants so there'll be plenty hmm. of things to talk about how you defined lnd uh, for these organizations right Yeah, thank you cool. So, it's so my journey started just before NatWest. So, uh, I I joined Lloyd's TSB in their credit card function and uh, my first experience of learning and development at all uh, was uh, with the awesome guys and girls at uh, at Lloyd's TSB. I had a three week induction there um which I I'd, I'd never experienced. The training team just seemed so cool. They, you know, had the best job. Um, you know, everybody had such a positive experience of it. And uh, whilst I was at Lloyd's TSB, I was a team leader there. I went on a training course uh, for coaching and feedback when I was made team leader um, for on the, on the, the phones department. And it was that moment that that really struck me that this is what I want to do for a job. But go call before that even moment, I thought I can't believe that this is a job. Uh, the uh, the trainer Robin uh, Robin Fenner, who's still a friend, a, a good friend today, uh, was uh, was. In front of the room and he was inspiring uh, he was leading the room it was uh it, yeah it blew me away and so i i knew right then that uh, that that's what i wanted to do and so i helped out a little bit at lloyd's tsb um before uh, i thought that i'd like to go and do this as a full time job and so unfortunately i had to leave lloyd's tsb to do that i joined a small uh, small division of uh, of natwest um when uh, when writing checks was a thing that's that's what we did there that we we were part of the uh, the check processing and check fraud uh, part so i was writing courses on how to spot check fraud uh, which was a which was a which was a great thing to uh, to be um uh, sharing with uh, with people 
And of course, it was it was solving a real problem, which I, I suppose was the genesis of uh, of what I'm all about right now, that there was a real problem with check fraud. And so we had to create simulations that helped the people processing those checks to spot okay. it. So uh, so so that was uh, that was a, a huge part for me. Uh, I wanted to then join a, a bigger training team because I was just the only training person at, uh, at this division in NatWest. So I joined a bigger team at Lima Brothers. Um, you know, that was different because the culture didn't really work for me. Um, I think that, uh, that the, the culture itself has been found out since. Um, but uh, um, after only a year there, I joined Disney. Uh, and when, when, when talking about um, the, the role of learning and development, solving real problems, I'll tell you, Gokul, that, that going from, from finance and banking to, to media and entertainment was a huge jump. And I didn't like and I wanted to leave within three months. It just wasn't me. Um, but uh, but um, luck played a part. My boss left. I was asked to, to take over from my boss. I couldn't, I, it was something I didn't want to say no to. Uh, and eight years later, there I was um, running learning and development for, uh, for Europe, Middle East and Africa. So, um, so it worked out you know, really well. And without going into the details, that's a potted history. I'm sure we'll get into to what that actually entailed and the uh, and the seminal moments uh, as as we go. Yeah, David. Uh, you know, from from that entire story so far, two things I got it. One, you love risks. You just like jumping into things <laughs> and you know, then figuring out what happens over there. <laughs> and yeah, banking to uh, entertainment industry to a startup. I mean, L&D is the common factor, but uh, mm. dynamics is completely different for each of these organizations, right? Yeah, yeah. completely different. Yeah, I, you, you, can't, you can't understate it. I see sometimes uh, conversations on LinkedIn where people are clearly disgruntled because um, the, the jobs that they're going for are asking for sector experience. And people saying, well, why is this so important? It's, and, you know, and people who haven't done it saying it's not important. But it is an enormous factor. I've never worked in an organization where the culture maps to, to another one that I've been to. And as far as the sectors were concerned, even Disney, you mentioned uh, in your introduction that, uh, that Disney at the time was like 14 different businesses mm -hmm. uh, and each with their uh, with a different culture uh, so you know you, you there was an ob obviously there was the disney store which was all about creating experiences then there might have been ad sales they sell advertising to broadcasters that's not like running a store and then you had abc which was a part of it as well and they're journalists so yeah and then there was espn as well which was uh, which was um, sports journalism and broadcasting those four didn't didn't associate themselves with the others. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, they were they were very different cultures, and I think that that it takes um, both a, a respect of of that to to even begin to understand. Uh, but but there there is a, a really quite a jarring effect, and you've got to think of the hiring manager as well. Hiring man, you say that I'm risky, but but hiring managers aren't usually afforded risks. You hire for somebody you think is best placed to do that job, and when you think that somebody hasn't been in your sector, the chances are it's going to be a while, if at all, that they do uh, uh, make that transition. And so, so we want to limit the risks within within our hiring. But but learning and development can play, and I'm sure we will talk about this, can play a crucial part in unpacking culture and making it accessible, whereas too often it's not accessible and people are left to flounder when there is a, there's, a, there's a key problem there to be solved. Yeah, love that point, really. I mean, 
learning and development unfolding the culture of an organization i mean really awesome and uh, so david i'm really curious about how the setup was in disney 14 mm-hmm. different uh, divisions that you're managing and you you must be creating a plethora of content for each of them and so many different directions of content and mm-hmm. types as well can you paint a picture you know what exactly was it what was happening there Yeah so so first of all um I wasn't creating content for 14 different ones. I'll let you in on a secret Google but don't tell anybody else. Uh what what I was looking for were commonalities across the board. First of all there was the the onboarding experience before anybody reached their line manager we had an opportunity to provide them with uh with a consistent experience and I don't like that term that consistent experience I think we should be solving different problems to consistency but but go with it for a moment this is what we did. They had a consistent um uh experience at the beginning where we could welcome them to the company. Uh, and then we also ran an event called Welcome to Disney which was a day of presentations which wasn't about you um uh fully understanding what was going on within the organization but it was to paint a picture uh, and to let you know that there that right now is a very exciting time to be joining the organization so we would have those 14 divisions present for half an hour on what was going on and go call it was it was teaser videos it was trailers for movies that weren't out yet it was um uh, video snippets of stores uh, like reimagining what the stores were and it was all about people feeling that they would jo- this was the company for them which in the earlier stages you are trying to engender some kind of loyalty at least the it's the bedrock of engagement to let people know that they've made the right decision um we uh, we we'd also then um have um email prompts to line managers to check in with people over those three months and of course there was the probation so we had these what what um uh are are termed uh, recently on my podcast I I interviewed uh, Gabe Gloger from uh, ETS and he called these evergreen problems mm-hmm. that for L&D you've got um uh, induction you've got new manager development you've got some career management elements as well they're not going away they need solving for the whole organization uh, and then what i would do is i then looked for the the themes that run uh, across the organization that mm-hmm. would touch as many of those lines of business as we possibly could so we introduced a mentoring program and felt that it was of benefit if we were looking uh, at that time we just um, appointed a president for the for all of europe uh, to to uh, as a managing director for the whole mm-hmm. europe um uh business and so we were thinking if his vision was one voice one vision for this unified uh organization then mentoring that seeded that that paired people from across the organization mm-hmm. was a way of helping to connect people with different experiences and then plug them in at a different level so they so that they uh, could have conversations with people who were always really walking in the shoes that they would uh, would hopefully be uh, fulfilling later so so we had a a mentoring program and we we ran a um a learning conference each year as well uh, which was uh, more aimed at uh, bringing ideas from the outside disney at the time you a criticism could be that it was very insular it would look internally for all its ideas where uh, this was about bringing ideas uh, and emerging concepts from outside and again you're you're looking for that thread it wasn't going to meet every need but you know with with 
with three people in in a team supporting four and a half thousand people you know you're you are looking for uh, for for ways of uh, of touching as many people as you could uh, and then we ran our standard programs there was uh, there was access to the global lms so so there was consistency and then i'd be consulting with the business leaders on bespoke areas where you know i might be launching say a learning conference and then my team would take it over and run that the next year so i'd then be consulting with business leaders on the what was keeping them up at night and trying to to help move things along uh, in their way. So so go call it's out you know <laughs> learning and development sometimes looks like from the outside it's about creating content and programs that that are either generic or bespoke but but internally you're looking to uh, to uh, positively affect the employee journey on the evergreen elements and then positive, positively affect the business with leaders priorities as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's really interesting. I mean, this is the first time I'm hearing about a learning conference within an organization just to mm. ensure that the program sticks with the entire employees. I mean, mm, yeah, I mean that, that, that's really interesting. Right. And um, and so let's say if you want to split it into multiple parts, right, there is uh, definitely the leadership or the mentoring program and all of that just for um, making sure the soft skills actually get better over time. And uh, then there would be the onboarding aspect, the training aspect. What about the software bit? Right. Is that also something that you guys were handling? Because, you know, there are so many parallel threads here. And uh, like you said, it's a huge, uh, I mean, 4,500 people that you're training over there. So Mm. how was it and what was the structure like or what kind of activities were there for each of these uh, parts of, um, let's say, L&D? So, so as far as um, uh, helping to uh, provide people with the guidance and support they needed for for the software, Uh I think that um, the 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 biggest learning curve was in uh, the uh, internal. Uh, legacy systems so whether it be uh, bought or built for for disney it was how to use say the crm there were or the uh the you know custom relationship manager uh, management uh, software uh, or it might have been in um uh there was there was a particular area that supported the um uh content distribution teams they had bespoke software so so a lot of the time people were learning that stuff from colleagues uh, and and cheat sheets um i i will admit that the what i think was the biggest waste of money uh, that i think we ever did at uh, at disney was excel training so we talk about software Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times I was asked for refresher training for the, for Excel because it didn't stick. I, I on reflection, uh, <laughs> on reflection, what we should have done is uh, had people record um, uh, uh, screen recordings with a voiceover saying, "This is how we use this here." Like, mm-hmm. like say for example, um, you've got um, budget holders in uh, across the, the entire organization. When you become a manager and a budget holder, you have these responsibilities for forecasting, uh, for re-forecasting, your, your uh, quarterly check-ins with your, um, uh, uh, your, your finance, finance representative and then closing off your um, end, of, end of year uh, budget. Um, and then reforecasting again. So we would be sending people on Excel training so that they could get used to the, the the spreadsheets. They didn't need that. What they needed was to say, you are now a budget holder. These are your responsibilities. This is the spreadsheet we'll be using. You fill it in like this. 
and you know for, and and i think that this is a common problem within learning and development we we assume people have no knowledge or next to no knowledge we assume then that they need all the knowledge and then we build them a course or provide them an opportunity to learn it all and i just don't think it's necessary uh, and so we used to partner with um a uh a software provide a software training provider and we'd be sending people on courses to learn everything they can about uh, software and we also had an exhaustive library um of um uh microsoft office um mm-hmm. uh, uh training videos on their wow. on the lms as well you know it was all focused on educating people on how to become competent at basic level intermediate level and then um a proficient level of capability but without ever trying to understand their jobs and i think that 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 i think that perhaps part of my crusade here is trying to undo what i'd done previously do mm-hmm. it's 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 harder more expensive and less effective to just be buying stuff off the shelf without doing the analysis it is easier less risky and more effective to cut the chunks out that you need or to understand the job and do a quick resource and share it's you know you know i'm i'm all for good curated content if you've got a good library of good content but i don't think it means anything unless you put that in a wrapper of this is how you'll use this here that you know going back to culture what i mentioned earlier go call like how do you unpack the culture you spend some time understanding what it is that people are expected to do uh, solving the problems with them to help them to uh, to uh, to become more effective or more efficient at what it is that they're trying to do and look at ways to automate that as much as you can so you haven't got people asking for and then attending refresher training or searching an lms it's actually there when they need it to do the stuff they're expected to do and then they move on yeah i'm so glad that you brought it up I and mean, that's exactly that we also keep popul- i mean preaching about learning in the flow of work or learning by doing right and that's mm-hmm. that's that's what works i mean like say um, we we are a digital adoption uh, platform and you know this whole show is all about uh, let's say talking to um, leaders who has come from different uh, wakes of life and again different larger enterprises where you know the system is everywhere different and this is one common thread which is there across everywhere learning by doing learning in the flow of work you know there is no one size fits all for uh, any activity that you do you have to make it uh, curated for people you have to make it uh, you know more actionable and mm. they should be able to consume and do it the way uh, you know they think they would do better at it right That's i mean yeah ultimately and uh, you know uh, that brings me to another thought process uh, again uh, this is disney was way before the pandemic and you were handling a team uh, across emea right i mean there was uk there was europe uh, you mentioned africa and middle east as well right so uh, how was the remote learning then right and th- this was a way before that right how, how was the entire lnd structured uh, in a remote learning setup Right. So, uh, so again, I'll let you in on a little secret go call because uh, it's just you and I. Um, uh, one of the reasons I uh, I left Disney is that I was so frustrated with the technology infrastructure. Uh, the LMS was dreadful. Um, I I remember um, uh, moving from uh, Lehman Brothers um, to um, uh, to Disney and thinking, right, I'm going to see Pixar quality e-learning. Now, I don't know what that meant. but i thought that they would have some way of of having it engaging enough that people would want to use it and they had this and in the end disney had a clunky lms that took far too long to find anything and there was no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow mm. the e learning was dreadful um so when you are say about remote learning 
the uh, the learning and development team at all levels through the organization uh, were deluded in thinking that that the online offering was solving any problems at all. Well, I think remote learning um, really meant to employees at Disney was come 2006, 2007, they had access to Google and YouTube, which had matured to such an extent that they could find out what they needed when they needed it. And as years went on, it became easier and easier, easier as those platforms uh, uh, increased with uh, with content and their, uh, their improved their usability. But I don't think personally that Disney's online, well, I left in 2014, um, that, that Disney's um, uh, technology infrastructure helped at all with, uh, with what people were expected to do. Um, but I will also caveat that with GoCall that I still speak with, uh, with learning and development professionals who were in the same boat as I was eight yeah. years ago yeah. because they buy silver bullet solutions. They, it's just the latest version of, of what we were using before, fill it full of generic content, and they think that it's enough. But they haven't done any analysis. The content relates not a jot to what people do. It doesn't help people with the culture, and they still try to drive engagement. And so the biggest problem that learning and development professionals have with online solutions right now, or remote learning solutions, uh, as, uh, as you phrased it in the, uh, uh, in the question, is that people don't use it. And it's not that they don't know how to learn and it's mm-hmm. not that they don't have time. It's because they know that it won't deliver them the value. That yeah. There's no point in trying to um, uh, look through generic content that they know doesn't relate to what they're expected to do within the organization. They might as well Google it. So, uh, so I'd say that um, when we were supporting um, uh, people in the other offices at, uh, at Disney, uh, in the major um, uh countries uh france germany italy um spain and portugal there was a dedicated hr team uh, with a learning and development element and then there were members of my team that went and uh serviced uh the more remote areas uh, and would spend time say in south africa or in the middle east um mm-hmm. and some of the uh the smaller countries in delivering face to face now i am not at a, i do not believe that you can upskill a workforce one class at a time. But we were so hamstrung by our technology solutions, we had next to no option. Uh, again, it's one of the reasons I left because I couldn't fulfill my role there by thinking that we could deliver our way out of, uh, um, uh, out of the, the problems that the Walt Disney Company uh, was facing from an employee development perspective. Um, and I thought that that was a problem that needed to be solved from outside that organization. So um, is, is that why uh, you think, okay, when I need to go into a startup, start solving problems uh, from ground up first, right? I mean, what, was that the decision how you moved from an enterprise into a complete, uh, you know, let's say 360 learning and uh, loop? And is that how it happened? Yeah. So I'd say it was a fluke of timing. I met Ben Mazel at, uh, uh, from Loop um, in 2014 when he brought a, a beta version of Loop to the CIPD show in London. He was the first stand I went to. I'd never heard of Loop before. Uh, and so I, I asked him, like, what, what, what does Loop do? He showed me and Gokul, no word of a lie, my words back to Ben were, that's the first piece of learning technology I've ever seen that I would use as a learner. And it was a huge moment for me because before then I was pushing e-learning thinking maybe this one 
will get used, you know, or, you know, or, or, or creating um, SharePoint fascias on the front of the clunky LMS at Disney to try to lure people in. And if they got in, then maybe they'd want to use it again. And they didn't. But, but Loop was very different. Uh, the, the way that you could rapidly create content, you could package it up to solve real problems. Ben and I talked for a year. He'd phone me and say, look, we've got this idea. You know, if we, if we uh, configured the platform this way, how do you think it would work? And every time I was like, oh, my God, this actually solves the induction problem. You know, and then, you know, you know but another, another uh, thing they were working on, you know, that was me saying, well, that fixes the compliance problem. All the problems pretty much coming from people aren't going to use it. So if people aren't going to use it, then you can't affect performance. So therefore, uh, you've given up trying to affect performance. You just want to drive traffic to justify the investment. You know, that's that's my life in-house with uh, with technology. Uh, and after a year of, uh, of talking to them, Ben asked me whether I'd like to um, to join the team, seeing as I was... I was doing it for free uh, prior to that. So I, I moved from their biggest fan to the first employee um, at, uh, at Loop. And from there, we just continued that journey. And, and um, I think the reason we became so successful was that we always checked ourselves, would this solve the problem that David was trying to solve mm-hmm. at Disney? And that was it. And this is where I think a lot of platforms go wrong. A lot of platforms try to solve the engagement problem. No one's using it. So what do we do? Well, we'll make it more entertaining. We'll make it more interactive. We will, uh, we'll make the Netflix of learning because people can't come off Netflix. So go call the whole industry went crazy trying to solve the people won't use it problem. Mm. And again, I'd let you in on a little secret, go call. It's really easy to solve the engagement problem. You need to give people what they actually need and they determine that when they actually need it. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, you've got no engagement problem. But if you give people what you think they need at a time it's convenient to you, guess what? It doesn't work, right? So, so learning and development have been have been have gone headlong down this path of edutainment and no, new and novel delivery mechanisms, whilst the employee has been trying to figure out themselves how to solve the same problems have that been solved thousands of times in your organization. L&D should be on the other side, if, uh, if you hadn't have guessed. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that, that's a lot of secrets, David. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. And um, moving ahead on the podcast, right? And, uh, you know, uh, I'm a fan of the podcast, right? Uh, the, and it's called the Learning and Development Podcast. I mean, it can't be any simpler. Gokul, it was... Um, uh, it was great advice by Nick Bradley in the first place that got me involved. It was my love of podcasts, um, my um, my risk at putting myself out there and thinking that I might be able to give this a go, uh, and then um, the the good fortune that that my friends in learning and development left let me um, uh, prove the concept, and uh, mm-hmm. and here we are uh, three years later. And three years and how many episodes? So we're approaching a hundred now. Oh wow. Well, wow. mm. so that's, that's like a lot of knowledge, right? I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a shameless plug, I would say. Uh, people listening to this, listen to Learning and Development Podcast and also the previous episodes of Digital Adoption Show. There's a lot of knowledge there. <laughs> <laughs> right, awesome. And um, yeah, it, it's interesting that, you know, David, uh, so many people on the show also has talked about how Bob Mosher has you know, inspired them. And, you know, 
the community itself is so closely knit that you know okay fine we we know that uh, these people are known for something so we've, we've been hosting we've hosted bob mosher uh, brit andrietta uh, you know the the enough the, the information that they bring out on each and every conversation mm. it's new it's really compelling and yeah you, you just walk out saying that okay i have something new actionable thing to do yeah and yeah it's it's really incredible uh, awesome and you know coming from that conversation in the into the community angle right now the podcast mm. definitely is helping build that collective knowledge now you you have also ventured into building a community right mm. lnd collective right yeah. so what is that about i mean what what is that community and uh, you know how are you planning to scale it up or the impact that you can create with the community yeah so I, so what i found with the the engagements i've had with uh, with um the podcast and the social um uh sharing that we've had is that learning development people coming forward and saying you know can i talk to you about my situation because you know we could talk about concepts and how it works elsewhere but people want to talk about how it works with them um and i think that there's real power in 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 looking for the ways in which you can have organic conversations because within a community an active community you've got the opportunity for people uh, to to build the camaraderie and say look i'm working on this i'm trying to solve this problem other people stand up and saying hey i'm trying to solve that problem as well but then you have the other added benefit of people saying hey i've already worked on that so so i think the real value and what i try to bring to the podcast um uh, first of all is the experience of people who have actually done this in organizations and they couldn't run away from the solution i think learning and development happens inside organizations and we are on the outside uh, we can provide some inspiration sometimes we can pl- uh, supply uh, some insight and sometimes we can provide some working know-how and i think bringing a, a, a community together of people who are responsible for learning and development within organizations just helps to 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 strengthen the um people's ability to to both uh, try stuff that works and also be inspired by people who are uh, perhaps a few steps ahead uh, or maybe even on a on a different territory together from where they are so the idea is that uh, that uh, if you can uh, encourage first of all bring people together so that they feel as if they belong to something mm-hmm. that is bigger than uh, than us and again like go call the so many learning and development functions are small largely because we can't prove the value of what we do uh, and there are lots of uh, one and two person learning and development teams there are some mm-hmm. other ones you know Sebastian Tindall talks about you know him growing the size of his uh, his learning and development team because they can demonstrate the value of what they do aligned to business objectives so you know that maybe that's a different uh, that's an aside there maybe for a different podcast episode between the two of us but um um there's power in bringing people together where where a lot of the time we we feel um uh, small and that the that what we're trying to do um uh, in the way you described earlier how how do you support 14 lines of business across um uh, you know 30 different countries um with with only three people you know who you know it's it's very hard but you know i i uh, had mentors uh, i had a a large network Uh, in the eight years since I, I left in-house, things have moved on to such an extent that we can support each other uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with communities. And so, um, so yeah, so it represents a uh, um, something bigger than than the teams that we all belong in. But but we also look to explore ways in which we can still provide um, uh, one-to-one time and bespoke 
opportunities. Like uh, within the L&D Collective, we run a monthly office hours where we pick a pressing topic or what we do generally is uh, um, we uh, organisers pick three topics that we think are, are, are important right now. We put it out to the community to upvote which ones they'd like discussed. I turn mm-hmm. up, I talk about my experience on that thing just to warm everyone up, just to know it's a safe space to come and have a chat. Then we invite people on, like up and you know, to say, like, what's your experience of this? What's the problem you're trying to solve? We have a conversation that then builds on people with the comments. Somebody else jumps up. And so what we try to do is we just try to build momentum around a particular topic, see if we can create something useful. It's videoed and then we, uh, and then we, um, we, we send it out. We also look to do lunch and learns. We've done them in, uh, in Paris, in New York. We've got one uh, in a couple of weeks uh, in London as well where we bring people together because the the online community starts as one thing, which is a list of people within a Slack group. But then we look for different ways in which we can engage that group in ways that are, that continue to be valuable uh, throughout. So um, there's loads of benefit of us, uh, of us working together. And I think it's the responsibility of us who, who want to pull this together to continue to seek, uh, to try to eke out, uh, opportunities to, uh, to to demonstrate more and more value to the people who have uh, given up their their time uh, to join us. Yep, awesome. I think we've. Uh, I think in this podcast we've covered so many different avenues where you can learn more. I mean, you can actually find people. You can talk to the people who have done so many things in different amazing organizations. Right? Yeah. Mm. Um, I I hope the listeners actually listen it again and you know uh, reach out ultimately right and start talking. Mm, absolutely <laughs> uh, awesome right so uh, i'll come to towards the end of the podcast right now and uh, i have a rapid fire a few questions um you know on the top of the mind whatever comes in you can just blur it out and uh, then we'll close the podcast so uh yeah um, um already david absolutely let's go awesome awesome right so um who i mean let's say people who both you and i should host anyone on the top of the mind uh what i i would say um uh if it's not people i'd say get get people who work in learning and development to uh to come on the the, the best conversations i've had um are those people on the front line making uh making waves i've loved talking to tracy waters uh when she was at sky um i'd love to talk to spastian tindall amory burbage to name but a few ross stevenson uh you know, people who are um uh, not just trying different things, but holding themselves accountable to actual results. Uh, and I'd also um, say Nick Shackleton-Jones, because if you want truth bombs, I don't think that there's anyone better. And that's really interesting. I mean, uh, we just booked on the podcast with Ross Stevenson. That's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Right. Now, um, you know, you've been handling too many things. I mean, you, you have 360 Learning, you have Luke, you have a podcast, you have a community. So what does your daily routine look like? Oh look, I, I'm I'm very fortunate. I would say that um, my 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 time is all about um, uh, uh, about connecting. So I, I'd say I'm at my most um, uh, ready and productive in the mornings. Uh, so I would generally be uh, writing or creating. Uh, I I try to uh, commit a monthly uh, piece to Forbes. Um, mm-hmm. So so I I generally uh, will do some writing in the morning. Uh, I'll spend some time on LinkedIn, uh, having a look to see who's uh, saying and sharing some interesting stuff because I'm always looking for a, a guest uh, for, uh-huh. the, for the podcast. 
Um, I could be uh, catching up with the team. The the team at 360 are 10 times the size of uh, the team we had at Loop. So uh, there's plenty of, uh, of connecting uh, going on. Uh, and then certainly very recently, uh, I've been uh, guesting on uh, on different podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been recording many podcasts. Um, and um, uh, to, later towards the, uh, the end of the day, uh, I found myself uh, on hosting webinars. Uh, we try mm-hmm. to, at uh, 360, host webinars um, where we can reach as much of the globe as we, uh, as we can, uh, and so that will often happen in the afternoon. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I, again, I've got uh, a couple of those coming up this week. So, look, I'd say it's a huge amount of fun uh, because, uh, because if, it's, if it's not talking to people, then I'm looking for other ways to, uh, to connect uh, plan and prepare. Um, I don't think there are too many other jobs where you can you have as much fun as I do. <laughs> awesome. Um, now, yeah, three must-listen podcasts. I mean, you listen to a lot of them. What are the three mm. must-listen podcasts? Right. So, uh, so um, these would be uh, affected by my recency bias, I'm sure. Uh, I have been hugely enjoying um, uh, John Helmer and Donald Clark's uh, Great Minds on Learning podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Michelle Ocker's Learning Uncut podcast again, because she speaks to people on the front line doing, uh, learning and development. Um, and I would say, let's see, maybe a, a curveball. I mentioned it earlier today in focus. I think that there's nothing quite like, um, uh, understanding the global context to what it is that we're, we're trying to do. So, uh, we could all do with looking outside of learning and development a, uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and the last question there. So if there was a conversation that you'd like to recall that shaped the LND professional in you, be it in the podcast or anything before, what, what would that be? So a conversation, one of the one, uh, one that uh, that had um, the the biggest effect. I would go to. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Tracy Waters at Sky. I think that that what what Tracy was bold enough to do and had the courage of her conviction. She went all in on agile uh, mm-hmm. because she challenged her and her team to do learning and development that actually works. Um, she burnt the house down of the old way of doing L and D. So there was no way of going back and she made one hell of a difference. She's one of the most inspirational learning and development leaders I've met. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'd say that that, that conversation uh, continues to reverberate um, uh, and resonate with me. Awesome. All right, David, I think, yeah, that's that's it. I think uh, I'll stop there. And this was a really fun conversation. I really learned a lot. And, you know, yeah, th- this was just enjoyable. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Goku. Uh, yeah. So uh, before we close, David, um, it'd be awesome if you could share, you know, how do people find you or where do people find you rather? Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned uh, at the Learning and Development Podcast, they can find me uh, on LinkedIn uh, as well. I'm, I'm always uh, uh, peppering um, people's um, uh, feeds on, the, on LinkedIn. And so, yeah, so David James and on Twitter, I'm David in learning. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so end of yet another episode of the Digital Adoption Show. And thanks, David. Once again, it's been amazing. Um, and it's a pleasure hosting you uh, at the Digital Adoption Show. Right, so, so everyone listening to the podcast, stay tuned to the Digital Adoption Show for more got- great content and some really incredible speakers. Right, and have a great one. <laughs>